Hi again, wrestling fans. This is Aaron Bishop, and you are listening to the BWF Podcast. Every week on the show, we do a deep dive into wrestling storylines from the past. Some are well-known and others you might have forgotten about. Before we get going, I want to take a moment to thank everyone that subscribed to us on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else that you can find your favorite podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. It helps us out very much. Don't forget to give us a like, leave a review, and we are also all over social media these days. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our tag is BWF underscore podcasts. We are posting behind the scenes stuff and asking you guys what you want to learn about and what you want to hear more of. But now that I have all of that out of the way, let me introduce to you my co-host on the BWF podcast, G. Patrick Condon. Patrick, my friend, you go there. Oh my, Bishop, that is the most professional sounding introduction I've ever heard you do. Congratulations, buddy. I had a little help this week behind the scenes. Oh, well, I won't dive too deep into that. Just let it lay there, but you did fantastic. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. How's your week been going? Going pretty good. Uh, Canada Day? Did you do much for Canada Day? No, actually, uh, my wife went to Saskatchewan with her parents to go to her brother's wedding. So I was dog sitting all weekend long, which is nice. Um, I actually had a really great weekend by myself, just having a little bachelor time. It was, it was nice, I gotta say. Nice, nice. A lot of masturbating, I'd imagine. Oh, man. <laughs> well, all righty. I am excited and I'm a little intrigued because this week we are sort of switching things up now. Your climb to 100 in the trivia has completed and you are going to be getting one of those coveted wrestling mystery crates. Yeah, you got it. Now, I guess the spotlight goes to me and it's my turn and you are the one that's coming up with the questions. What we're going to do here is... It's not all about you, unfortunately. I, I couldn't allow that to happen. I have to interject myself somehow and make it about Bishop in some in some you know fashion because that's course. how I roll. What we're going to do is we're going to race. So I'm going to ask you questions. Oh, they're booing you. Boo, Sorry. Boo. Sorry. It's okay. They can boo me. Is this a heel turn? Are we seeing a Bishop heel turn? Oh, there it is. Yeah. So, live podcast heel turn. Here we go. My God. But no, I was thinking we, we would race. So you would... Go for your coveted Razor Ramon t-shirt. Nice. And my choice will be the Bret Hart sunglasses, the shades. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to be asking you the trivia questions because I know it's a bane in your existence. So mm -hmm. you get one wrong, then I get a point. If you get it right, you obviously get a point. And I also have to take a shot and gargle liquor. Okay, good, because I was going to miss that element. and oh, I'm going to keep that going. <laughs> yeah, I know the audience, everybody loves it. You know, I got to admit that although I hated having to come up with these questions, I did enjoy the results of it. <laughs> okay, so, well, all right, and it's a race to 100 again, so this is going to be um, drawn out. Um, we could do 50, we could do 100, whatever you're you're comfortable with. Okay, well, uh, let's say 50 for now, and we'll see what kind of questions you got coming up with. Uh, I don't know if you want the audience to know this, but behind the scenes, Bishop said he's doing this straight up, on the fly. No, he's going to shame me. And the days of preparation it took me to come up with these questions, he's just going to think of them 
That is stupid head. Okay, so we will go right into game show. Let's see how this is going. Thanks for the birthday wishes, by the way, this week, Bishop. <laughs> yeah. Good. We started this started this podcast so that we could be friends. You know, not lose touch. It was an insignificant birthday this week. So I don't really blame you for for not remembering that it was my birthday on Thursday. Just just the 40th. No big deal. <laughs> it's so, so All right. Anyway, uh, let's turn the fucking it. music off. I love this. Okay, so Bishop, let's. I, I did write on Friday. <laughs> Wish happy birthday. I totally forgot. I did. I, I, I will admit, I totally forgot that Thursday was his birthday, and I felt so bad because I swear to God, I don't think I've ever missed wishing you a happy birthday in like the past twenty years. I think I've always gotten it, and this. For- your 40th birthday i just haven't yeah yeah, you're busy whacking off apparently (laughs) as we've already established wasn't like you had a a lot going on this week the dogs were taking up too much of your time i guess all right anyways we're all happy whatever uh you know (laughs) there's always next year right let's hope let's hope (laughs) Okay, so with that going on, Aaron, uh, now you don't have the sound effects, so this is a major thing. People are going to have a major problem. I know that the sound effects for uh, for the radio show are definitely people's favorite thing, so I don't know what we'll do, but either way, let's hear that first question. There you go. Question number one, WrestleMania 20. The main event was a triple threat between... Chris Benoit, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. But what was the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania 20? So the WWE Championship, which would have been on uh, the SmackDown brand for this, if I remember correctly, the end of the night featured child murderer Chris Benoit in confetti uh, hugging somebody, and that somebody would have won the WWE Championship match. So get that shot ready, Bishop, because the answer is Kurt Angle versus Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, go. Yeah, go. And one shot. What are you shooting this week? Oh, sorry. Of course. Um, I'm back onto the Jim Bean Red Stag. Red Stag. Okay. The you still blackberry flavored Kentucky bourbon whiskey. Please, he could do this all day. It's like soda. You probably have a harder time with soda pop. Oh my oh, god! What chaser? I forgot my chaser. <laughs> yes, yes. It's too late now. Chaseless. We're going chaseless. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, boy. <laughs> raw, raw dogging it this week. I love it. Okay. So I am now one. One point. Here we go. Question the two. The two. I will stick with WrestleMania 20 for this one. Okay. WrestleMania 20 had a cruiserweight battle royal. Who came out? The champion. I'm going to give you a multiple choice in this. Sure. One. Yep. Was it A, Ray Mysterio? Mm-hmm. B, the Ultimo Dragon. Mm. C, Chavito Chavo Guerrero. Mm-hmm. D, 
Pavel Classic. Wow. So I know that it's uh, either Rey Mysterio or uh, Ultimo Dragon. And I remember seeing after the fact in the replay uh, that Ultimo Dragon, he slips going down to the ring uh, in this one, right? And this was his, was this his debut as well? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go with Rey Mysterio. Sorry, my friend. Who is actually Chavo Guerrero. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. One and one. One. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, yeah. I had no idea. You knew I didn't see the show, Baron. This is uh, almost not not fair. But okay. Go ahead. Question three. Question three. Yes. This will be for WrestleMania 18. Oh yeah. Now, as we all know, Hogan and Rock was the main match on the show, followed up by Triple H and Chris Jericho for the World for the WWE Undisputed Championship. Yeah. But also on this card was a match featuring Edge versus Booker T. Yes, sir. What was the catalyst of the storyline for this match? Funny enough, I I know this. This was a beef. Hometown hero Edge against Booker T. The program was about a hair commercial and Edge getting a hair commercial over Booker T. I'll give it to you. It's over. It's a shampoo commercial. Well, what did I, what did I say? The hair. Close okay. Enough. All right. Look, I don't have any. Neither do I. I don't even know what shampoo is, man. I haven't used <laughs> shampoo since the aughts. <laughs> All right. I appreciate that. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> Bishop Rod dogging it this week. No chaser. Wow. Uh, it was a birthday gift. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's not so easy me to have a chaser. No, no, I know. Just one of the things that I just never thought to really take away. Or it should really have been like you can only chase. Anyways, look, we're learning yeah. as we go. Do you still have the dill pickle? Uh, no, vodka? I, you no, I threw that. I took that immediately and I dumped it down the toilet. Like it was. Dude, wow. I haven't touched. I have not touched a beer or anything since that day. I haven't been able to. Uh, it, it ruined me. It fucking ruined me. It was the best moment in the history of this this podcast for sure. But I think in the history of any podcast. Hope uh, by the time this is out, we'll have video the video footage yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, also, that's going to be uh, dropped today uh, later later this evening. That, oh, that beautiful. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah one of our best two and one two and one baby two and one okay let's go WrestleMania nineteen oh yeah this is the Undertaker's only WrestleMania match mm -hmm. where a handicap match who mm -hmm. were his two opponents well oh god See, I, immediately my thought was Mark Henry and the Big Show, but then I'm thinking he ended up having an, uh, another Mania match with Mark Henry later. So, my, would he have fought Mark Henry twice at WrestleMania? I know that the uh, guy, the Australian guy that they got from jail, was supposed to be his tag team match, but he just was not ready. Um, what was his name? 
Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones, yeah. Mania 19. Ah, was Big Show... Show doing it? No, Big Show fought Cena the next year, so I'm I'm gonna say Mark Henry and and Big Show. Ah. Oh. oh fuck! A train, A train, and who? And ah, motherfucker! Ugh. As soon as soon as I yeah, as soon as you were about to say it, I was like, oh yeah. I was just thinking like, what uh, what other big boy was going around? There? Fuck. <laughs> All right, two and two. Question five. Let's see. WrestleMania seventeen. What kind of match was Chris Jericho versus William Regal? Was it A, the Duchess of Queensberry rules match? <laughs> Where the fuck B, did you get that? Are you reading something? I swear to God, I'm not reading anything right Okay, now. all right. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's the answer. I don't know how you came up with that so seamlessly. I mean, for weeks we've been It may or may not be the answer. Time. They did wrestle a Duchess of Queensberry rules match. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. B straight up wrestling yeah c submission yeah or d cage all right so it's not cage and i don't think it's the duchess match now okay so mania 17 also featured kurt angle and chris benoit I don't know if that was a submissions match, though. I think that it, the I remember the I remember that match was like completely different to any other kind of style, the Benoit and uh, an angle match. But I but like I don't know if that was submission or not. I know there was a lot of like ground wrestling and shit like that. And then at seventeen, oh. God, I'm going to I'm gonna say that it is that it was a submissions match. Oh, for God's sakes, Bishop! Was it a straight up match? Not match. Ah, fuck. And so was the Kurt Angle uh, Benoit submissions match? Also straight up. Ah, okay, interesting. Good question. You are doing good. You should have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> uh, but. Sorry, that's the transition music, bud. We oh, moved on. Okay. Let's <laughs> say the next that? month. The next month, yeah. uh, Benoit and Angle did have submission match, and the next month, uh, Jericho and Regal did have the Queensberry Duchess or whatever fuck. Duchess of Queensberry. Whatever the fuck you 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 effortlessly pulled it off the first time. I know that's crazy, man. I surprised yeah, myself. <laughs> Good stuff. Congrats. All right. All right, I'll do the transition music one more time. All right. Okay. WrestleMania 12 featured the WrestleMania debut of Mankind. Yes. What was the match he was involved in? I'm going to call bullshit on this. You told me it was going to be WrestleMania 2000s. Sorry, you're right. You're right. You're fair. Well, you're right. You're right. So I can I just I'm just going to take the point on that one. That was that was a question. That was a dealer's mistrust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Line it up. Fine. 
I fucked it up. I fucked it up. All right. <laughs> yes. All right. Three and three. Where's, where's, three, three. You got to do that shot, though, buddy. Oh, fuck. You're dull. That's right. Yeah, that's right. This is what, good guy, this is what being a good guy gets you. <laughs> that's right. Dead last and skunk drunk. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, you still get a good, a nice little glimmer in your eye. Yeah, a little, little sparkle. A little sparkle. All right, you got a good one. What is it? All right, WrestleMania 2000, my friend. Okay. Was Bill the McMahon in every corner? Yep. Can you please tell me mm -hmm. which man was with who? So, now I got to say, even though I just argued to make sure that I was going to get 2000's WrestleMania, I was a lapsed fan for, like, I got back into it at 18, so I did not see 20, or 2000, at the time that it happened. But I think I know this one. So I think that uh, Triple H in Triple H's corner was uh, Stephanie McMahon. And then you points. had, okay, then you had Linda in Mick's corner. That's two points. And then, um, see, I don't, the, the, the other two is almost a toss-up to me because it doesn't make sense that any of them would be with the other wrestlers. But I'm going to say that Vince is with The Rock and Shane is with Big Show. Yes, you got all four. Nice. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so now how many points do you have and what question was that as I take a shot? Sure, so that was, I think that was question seven. Now you're giving me a point per guy? Yep. Okay, wow. So that would make it seven points, I believe then, because I was three and then I just got four, right? Yeah, so yeah, question eight and you have seven points. Well, Bishop. I guess you really didn't forget my birthday after all. Huh? <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Hey, Cheers. <laughs> Is any of this even that difficult now after doing the dill pickle thing? Like doing this without a chaser is pretty difficult. Not yeah. Have you have you ever drank anything as bad as the dill pickle stuff? Oh, never, never, not even close. That is by far the worst thing I've ever, ever drank. Like I, I can't even. I would rather take zambuca mixed with fucking fireball, mixed with fucking I don't know. Choose whatever bad liquor drink you can think of. I'd rather mix all that together any day. I couldn't even swallow it. Really, I could get like a little tiny bit. But as soon as the liquor went in my mouth, <laughs> yeah, I know. Look, and I thought that you were putting it on, but I saw from the footage. I mean, that that was a shoot. That was for real. It was great. That was a shoot. That was a real. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've never had anything so bad in my life. It said immediately after the the podcast is over, I went upstairs and I flushed it right down the toilet, man. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, here we go. So. I don't know where it is. So we're on, we're on question eight. Yeah, question eight. The inaugural Money in the Bank ladder match. We saw Edge win that. Which wrestler out of the following was not part of this match? Okay. 
Was it A, Chris Benoit, B, Ric Flair, C, Matt Hardy, or D, Finley? I, I think I once had to do, I think one time you asked me a multiple choice on a question. I didn't have any, and uh, it's scary coming up with multiple choice because you don't want to give it away when... Uh, no, especially right? if you don't I had two, right? I'm yeah, just exactly. And yeah. so, so I'm, I'm going to say the inaugural one, there was no Finley in it. You're correct. There's no Finley. Yeah. I couldn't think of the... I, I don't I know. know. Anybody better than Finley? <laughs> well, I was feeling the only man going to, I could have said like anybody else but Finley in this situation, I think. But yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Finley was he was in a few uh money to banks at WrestleMania though, but he was, yeah. Uh, probably twenty two, right? Or something, maybe? Twenty four, yeah. uh year was that two thousand eight. I think I could yeah. probably name all of the people that were in that match. Was there I think go and do your thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is pretty good. I like this. So I think that the people in the match would have been uh, Edge, Matt Hardy, Ric Flair, Kane, Chris Benoit, um... Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin. Was it only the six? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Good one. It's nice. All right. Question number nine. <laughs> He's thinking, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. Who is the only person to win Money in the Bank twice at WrestleMania? Uh, CM Punk. Fuck. Okay. You knew that one off the hop. Jesus. Laps fan my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not watching during that time either, but uh then I knew that one. Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Okie dokie, he says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How did the main event of John Cena versus Triple H end at WrestleMania 22? Okay. Well, now, I and I don't think I've ever seen this WrestleMania. Was this the one in Detroit? No. 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 But I, I think that... Okay, so... I think that Triple H would have tapped out to the... Um, STFU. Final answer? Final answer. Got it. Yeah. I'm loving this. Yeah. Damn. That's 10 points. Holy fuck. <laughs> there you go. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you sir another great game show this has some potential this has some legs it does have legs doesn't it i like it yeah all right we're going on to the viewer mailbag aaron the people love us they've just been they've just been writing in 
nonstop to BWF podcasts and uh, at gmail.com. I gotta Speaking say, of your love, we have listeners from Russia, Montenegro. Fuck, there's, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of European countries right now listening. Thank you to whoever the hell over there is listening to us. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. I see you. That's beautiful. I always felt like we appealed more to you, the European sense of um, uh, intelligence and um, uh, culture. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised. Um, and uh, and with that in mind, I got. I also have to say, guys, you know, I can't guarantee at this point that we'll even get to your questions. We're getting just so many of them inundated at bwfpodcasts at gmail.com. So, guys, I've noticed that ever since Edge has been kicked out of the Judgment Day as their leader, that the group itself has become bigger and better. They always have main event matches or have high-profile storylines. I was just wondering, um, when was the last time a group kicked out their leader and they became bigger, better, and stronger? Joe Power. Thank you, Joe. Good question. Good question. And I think I have the answer for this. And I don't know if there's if there's anything else. Uh, but I would have to go with Nation of Domination kicking out Farouk and, and Rock taking over. 100%. Yeah. That was going to be my answer if you didn't take it. So, yeah, 100%. You know, Farouk's Nation was basically a couple scrubs at the beginning and then they had crush and you know just a lot of weird no-name people thrown in together and then it became like this um they 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 uh, incorporated common mustafa and the rock and it, they it was a very racial storyline they were put in and it was very very controversial for the time it would not fly in this day and age but after the rock kicked out farouk the nation of domination went to a whole new level they even added Owen Hurt at one point, which is yeah, hilarious. that's right. That's so funny. But yeah, I know the nation went on to feud with the group that I'm going to give as my answer. And uh, from from then, The Rock went on to superstardom. So my answer to the question is Degeneration X. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that uh, that crossed my mind too. It's arguable. Go ahead. They kick out Shawn Michaels. Triple yeah. H, uh, it was Triple H in China. They kicked out Shawn Michaels tonight on the Raw after WrestleMania 14. And that same night, they added X Pac and the New Age Outlaws. And from there, well, Dex became Dex as we know it. They just transcended pop culture, just like our topic today, the NWO. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. That's, I mean, that's a good one. That was one that was, uh, it's uh, more arguable, I think, than Nation because. The DX of of Sean Triple H China Rick Rude, also uh, very strong. But uh, you're right though they got they weren't a babyface faction at that point, and once they became a ba- babyface faction, you know they had wow. their whole shtick of coming out and oh you didn't know and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, good one, good one. I and I don't know like is there a third? Can you think of a third? I'm just going through my mind now of like larger kind of factions and. Like in recent years, they don't really do factions very much in the WWE, anyways. But like, like Evolution. I was trying to think if the Horsemen ever kicked out like Flair, but I don't think no, so. You know, no. so no, it wouldn't be the Horsemen or anything. So no, I think those are pretty much the only two. 
And then the NWO, like oh, club. we had to put Bullet Club in there. Every time they kick at a leader, they seem to get stronger. It seems I don't know. I think yeah. AJ. Yeah. Uh, who's the original? Was it AJ, the original leader? No, Finn, Finn Balor. Finn Balor. Yeah. Finn Balor. So yeah, they only got stronger after Balor got kicked out. So yeah, that's Bullet true. Club. And then and then Omega took over for AJ, and that's when that's when people started like I mean that's when they exploded over on this side of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Look at us getting some Japanese fans over here now with our culture takes. <laughs> All right. Our final question. Hey, guys, the new job is going extremely well. Thank you for asking. Although I just started, I knew I couldn't miss money in the bank, even though I was scheduled to work. They all know I love wrestling, so I couldn't just call in sick. So instead, I was a cheeky little Jack. It said my girlfriend had to have an emergency abortion and I wouldn't be into work. I think it worked great because they'll be too uncomfortable to even ask me any questions about it. I have a two-part question. What is the best money in the bank cash-in of all time? Question two. Have you guys ever had a girlfriend get an abortion? What did you think about it? All the best, Jack the winner. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> okay, so I'll address the second part first. No, I've never had that situation or been in that situation. The closest I came in that situation was yes, please. Somebody, somebody told me they were late when they were not. Yes, you know, and I would have had a similar situation like that too. That happened to me a couple of times. Why do some girls do things like that, Aaron? Because they like the man they're with, and they don't want him to leave for anybody else. They so, don't really. They don't think very far ahead about this. Very far ahead. No, they're just willing to throw anything out there just to see if you know he'll stick around. But it's, truth comes out, ladies. I mean, yes. If the baby doesn't come out, then the truth does. <laughs> and uh, and it's it's kind of funny because they also say don't book, don't book. Uh, uh pregnancy storylines in wrestling because there's no payoff for that either like they never can have the baby and so it's always you know some weird thing like what was the lita and kane pregnancy angle how did that end with was that snitsky or something yeah snitsky did something to lita right they bumped into each other or he right yeah and she she sort of bumped that happened that she lost a baby and then Snitsky, I remember clearly as day, we were down watching Rod in our basement, and he came out on Rod one night with a fake baby, right? No yes. one knew he had a fake baby. Everybody thought it was a real baby. <laughs> he was in the middle of the ring, and all of a sudden, he just takes the doll, and he punts it <laughs> into the audience. And yeah. everybody, for a brief second, was like, holy fuck. They, yeah. Of course, everybody realized it was fake. But yeah, what a moment. What a Rod moment. It never gets talked about. To this no. day. Yeah, I mean, they were really on a roll in 2004. They were just like scraping the bottom when it was like whatever degenerate idea they could come up with, they just ran with. That was when like Vince was like had this incestuous thing going on with Stephanie. He had oh, Eric, he had Eric making out with Stephanie on camera. Eric Bischoff, obviously Katie Vick. You know the story goes, and it's confirmed by Stephanie McMahon herself that. Vince actually wanted to have a storyline with Stephanie where Vince would be the daughter of her or Vince would be the father of her baby. It's wild. Wild. So she nixed that right away. And then he was like, well, how about Shane? <laughs> like Shane wrong. would be the father? Jesus. Yeah. What is wrong with Vince McMahon? Like what the 
fuck? What in the actual fuck is wrong with this guy? I don't know. I'd say that there's a lot of childhood trauma that will never, never be spoken about. But now that we got this whole abortion thing out of the way, and I, I guess he kind of says as well, what do you guys think about abortion? Maybe we can save that for another day, Jack. Unless, Aaron, you want to you wanna handle that one. Woman's body, her choice. Nice, there you go. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> I yeah okay I mean look all right Texas <laughs> I look I believe it look I'm glad that we got uh, a guy here that is progressive as you best money in the bank cash in of all time all right so yeah best money in the bank cash in honestly the first one man you oh. took my answer that's great yeah oh, sorry man but it is the best yeah. um, it is by far the best yeah. uh, John Cena just finished wrestling in the elimination chamber i mean this guy's uh he's split from ear to ear bloodied from head to toe just said he just finished competing in this elimination chamber like five other people and then all of a sudden edge comes out on the stage with vince mcmahon with a briefcase and he cashes in man and people are like holy shit because this is you know john cena's original reign of terror people so were turning against him at this point like it was like oh my god yeah, and Edge at this point, uh, we will talk about this another day. But I personally turned Edge heel at SummerSlam 2004. I'm taking full credit for that. <laughs> Edge was in a Toronto heading yeah, yeah. into that event, and I thought he was a fucking idiot. And I went around Scotia Bank Arena that day, the Air Canada Center at the time, with my Edge sucks sign, and I talked to probably 500 to a thousand different wrestling fans. No <laughs> shit explain to him all why edge fucking sucked and when the time he came out of that entrance for that triple threat match he was booed out of the building and he was booed the whole match my credit ever since that point until the new year's revolution pay-per-view where he cashed in in january he was built up as as a heel that could not win the big one mm -hmm. he won the money to be briefcase at wrestlemania which then began his ascent and then by the time yeah, we got to the Elimination Chamber, the crowd was ready for him. He was ready. He came out with the briefcase, and he cashed in on John Cena in one of the greatest moments you know, of the modern WWE era. And I'm trying to remember back at that point, like nobody saw the cash in happening at that point, though, right? Like, no, and it's funny because you know it was almost a year since Edge had the briefcase. It's just that he held on to it, held on to it, held on to it, and that's where he got the name Ultimate Opportunist. The Ultimate Opportunist, yeah. Because it was the very first one, no one was really sure how the Money in the Bank thing would work. And so, you know, Vince came out with him to announce that he was cashing it in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cool moment. And yeah. And like you said, it was, uh, it was really good timing because this was John Cena had just retained in the elimination chamber. And it was like disgusting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so exactly. and it was like, oh my God, it was a real dud ending to the pay-per-view and then all bets were off. So yeah, I agree with you. That would be my first one. I guess like number two be, I think I got to go with Seth, Seth Rollins. I know that there's been bigger pops. Like people love the Dolph Ziggler one. People love the Miz one. Uh, CM Punk. Go ahead. I'm going to interject right now. There is no louder pop in the fucking world than when Seth Rollins won that title. I'm telling you, I was there that night for that pop. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's right. Thousand people collectively lost their shit. Yeah, at the same time, and I'm getting goosebumps again. There's only certain moments in my life in wrestling that I get goosebumps for every time I think about it. This is one of them. I lost my voice. Everybody around me was jumping up and down. The whole stadium was just jumping up and down because nobody wanted to see Lesnar and Reigns. Nobody wanted to see it. When he came out to begin with, that was that was a big pop. When he won it, that was the loudest pop I've ever heard in my life. I put up there with any other pop besides Rock and Hogan. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was like you said, it was like nobody was looking forward to that match. And WWE had booked themselves into a corner. It was another thing where people had just forgotten that this was a possibility to get them out of it. And then as soon, it was it was almost like as soon as his music hit, everybody realized at the same time, like, oh, <laughs> this is how they get out of it. Like, and yeah, it was a great moment. Dope that you uh, got to see that moment too, Aaron. Everybody loves hearing about Bishop's stories out in the world. And with that, you are going to another event, aren't you? Coming up soon? Yes. BWF Podcasts will be represented by me at the <laughs> AEW Dynamite taping nice. <laughs> this Wednesday. Yes. Dynamites are, uh, are, are pretty awesome. What is, do you have any idea what the card is at this point? I do, yeah. We are going to get Kenny Omega versus Wheeler, Utah. Oh, man. Right. That's worth the price right there, man. One of the reasons I wanted to go to Double or Nothing was see Kenny, and he's not, he wasn't there. So that's amazing. You get to see it. And they got Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. Yeah, that's good, man. And then you'll get a Rampage and like, I mean, and you said the tickets were like pretty, pretty sweet. All right, Conan, it's time for a Timeline. 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 This, 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 this is the timeline. This is the timeline. 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 This is timeline. All right, we need to get music for that sometimes. It just sort of sits there. <laughs> well, here it's we are. Yeah, I miss this. I miss this stuff. This is some. There was some dignity to this one. The BWF Chronicles. Yeah. Timeline. Yeah, there you go. We'll figure it out. We're still figuring it out, ladies and gentlemen. So this week, we come to the uh, end of the road of a three-week journey of great time in everybody's lives, and we talk about the formation of... The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. And yeah. that's the NWO. Love it. Yes, sir. Okay. Catch us up. What are we doing? Last week, we got up to Kevin Nash leaving after a tumultuous uh, end to his WWF championship reign and then a pretty good post-script, you know, uh, Royal Rumble to WrestleMania. Like, he, he did good. He did do good, yeah. And then, he, as we documented it before in our archives, HBK 1996 Part 1, HBK versus Diesel, he had that match with Shawn Michaels, his last match in WWF, that made him look really, really strong. And then he was off to WCW. And last week, we left off with Scott Hall. Or, sorry, with Kevin Nash. Uh, the week before was Scott Hall. So Scott Hall also finished up in 1996, right after WrestleMania. Kevin Nash is now finished. Both these guys are heading to WCW. And the first ever guaranteed money contract ever offered in the wrestling business by Eric Bischoff. And I find it so weird that that in in Kevin Nash's Hall of Fame whole deal, 
Like one of the main points for him was that he was the first guy to get the guaranteed money contract. But technically, that was Mr. Scott, Scott Hall. Yeah. Mr. Scott Hall. Yeah. But Scott Hall had to convince Kevin Nash to go over with him. So here we are. It is 1996. WCW is not doing good. And my memories of watching WCW was that we were getting this cartoonish Hulk Hogan. WCW at the time, they had established the roster, mostly of former WWF superstars, the older generation, you know, get your Paul Orndorff, Randy Savage, uh, Hulk Hogan, just, you know, the, all the old timers, even Hockey Talk Man, Kamala, you know, all these people at one point or another went through WCW. And now here we are in 1996, and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are on their way. These guys are exactly what the WCW needed. They are young blood. They are popular. Like, these are WWF-made superstars. Nobody has any idea what's going on behind the scenes. But here we are. You know, we're after. this is probably the spring of 1996, and we're going to watch Scott Hall make his debut into the wcw he walks to the crowd i do believe and comes into the ring and people are like just like what is going on like why is he here what's happening right now is the wcw invading yeah and they do a couple of we'll watch the clip here it's infamous obviously one of the more famous points bar none in wrestling history but people have to realize that wcw and wwf they never ever mentioned each other's names on tv before um, it was almost like a taboo situation. The closest we ever came was Ric Flair bringing the WCW title over to the WWF when he debuted it, and they used that for a little bit. But even then, that was blocked out on screen. But you don't know why I'm here. Where is billionaire Ted? Ted Turner. Eric Bischoff, they're talking about. Here, or he's talking later about. Tonight, I got a challenge for him, for billionaire Ted, for the Nacho Man, and for anybody else in uh, WCW. <laughs> hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Now, how do you not think for the life of you that it's not the WWF sending Razor Ramon into the ring to say there's a war, WWF versus WCW? This is what WCW was trying to portray. Yes, and, you know, I've said before that the original plan was to get Scott to just come down the ramp, and it was Larry Zbysko, I think, that said he should come in through the crowd to make it look more legit. And um, and everything about it is done really well. And we've seen now in previous episodes where we were examining 96 and 95, 
where the guys in the clique were kind of responsible for this new kind of air of uh, realism. Even if you wanted to talk about Shawn Michaels collapsing in his match with Owen Hart, which was the clique's idea as well. And then Kevin Nash going on TV and referring to Vince as the owner and all this kind of stuff like, they, it's all leading up to this. It is, yeah, uh, and this kind of tone. So you could see where these guys, Scott and Kevin specifically, were like influenced where they were going to do this hostile takeover and the and the realism that they were going to have with it. So yeah, and so Scott comes out. He's looking uh, looking very fly in his denim on denim. Makes you think that he is sent straight from the WWF in my mind. Yeah, for sure. They make a point of not calling him any name, not Razor Ramon or Scott. Uh, the, the announcers play dumb, so that's pretty easy. And uh, Scott's coming out with the toothpicks and with the same kind of Razor Ramon kind of, uh, you want to go to war or whatever. So, uh, so people are going crazy. He comes back later on that evening in Nitro to uh, go up to the desk and say that he's going to be bringing somebody else in. Eric Bischoff, who is doing commentary for the latter half of Nitro, I think at this point, is saying, who, who do you, who do you got? You know, and it's all sort of off microphone. The microphone is there, but they're not talking into it. So it's just sort of catching it from a distance. And it's just these sorts of things that would make uh, little Aaron and little Patrick wonder what is going on here. Exactly. It's the little things, the little money details make you think this shit is actually real. So then the following week, Scott has said that his next man is coming out. And uh, let's take a listen to that right now. I mean, I heard a lot of talk, but where's the walk? You've been sitting out here for six months running your mouth. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. Now he said last week that he was gonna bring somebody out here. I'm here. You still don't have your three people. And you know why? Because nobody wants to face us. This show's about as interesting as Marge Shot reading excerpts from Mein Kampf. Oh, Jesus I mean, the, the references goes over my head. Nash is a little too clever. Yeah, no trouble, because you know I'll kick your teeth down your throat. Guys, you what, you couldn't get a paleontologist to get a couple of these fossils cleared? You ain't got enough guys off a dialysis machine to get a team? Yeah, where's Hogan? Where's Hogan? Out hey, we're here. You want to say something? So, and, and using the lines now that WWF has been saying about them up to this point that all their stars are old. And... Yeah, where's Hogan? Where's Hogan? Out doing another episode of Blunder in Paradise? Where's the Blunder in Paradise. Huh? <laughs> doing some Slim Jim commercial? Hey, we're here. You want to say something? Look, I don't have the authority right here, right now. You want to fight? Fight is it with me. You want three guys tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. I'm going to be in Atlanta. I'll be in the offices of WCW. I'll try and get you your fight. And you know what? 
live this Sunday in Baltimore, Great American Bash. You guys want to show up? You want to fight? You show up, I'll see if I can get you your fight. I don't know about you, but hey, they love us in Baltimore. Hey, hey Big Man, I say me and you, we'd be at the Bash. Maybe these punks want to fight. Yeah. I'll be there. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. WCW just got younger, cooler, hit, tough, exciting, interesting, all that. All and, like, and then and Eric is saying to cut it, and behind him, Scott is doing the Razor Ramon arm pose thing, so and yeah, they're doing they're doing a really good job. It, it like in a very like smooth job of finding a way to get them back onto TV uh, that makes sense, so that it's not like you're not questioning the the logic behind it, and also like getting them to the pay per view and and them agreeing to it so that you get those buy rates. Fan backed in, you know, of course, I'm shilling at that fucking money now to see these guys show up on the Great American Bash. What's going to happen? You know, obviously, like this is this is such good marketing. It's such good storytelling. It's good everything. So we go now to that weekend at Great American Bash and the boys are out with Eric. Scott is back in his uh, denim on denim and Nash not wearing a baseball cap, but a uh, nice little striped shirt. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with what Kevin is wearing, but he's just not very cool. <laughs> like Scott is cool. <laughs> Kevin is not. Anyway, so they come out for their uh, little meeting with Eric, and uh, let's see how the stakes get higher. Forget about the past, Chico. Ooh. Let's worry about the future. We want to know who your three guys are. Is it, is it the uh, Nacho Man? I don't think so. And what about, what about the immortal huckster? You know, you tell billionaire Ted to break out the money and get anybody you can because the big man and the medium-sized man <laughs> and our surprise buddy are going to carve them up. Is there a moment with race? Yeah. He's had his say. Man, who are they? Come I on. can't tell you. I'll tell you tomorrow night on Nitro. That's the deal. You can't tell us. You don't jack us around. Don't jack us around. And again, 96, you're not seeing. Uh, you're not seeing people being put through tables a whole lot, period. And certainly right, not office guys. No, no, exactly. This is the first non-wrestler, like, management office type guy to ever go through a table spot like this. This is incredible shit. Yeah. This is incredible shit. I love it. The table looks brutal. The table is not, though, is like, you know, regular, I don't know, like, looks like the table's break in the middle, you know, the WWF tables. The, yeah. This looks like an actual, like, wooden pine table that he just got smashed through. It looks this so is um yeah this is yeah this is before they started gimmicking the tables out of like the plastic mold ones or whatever and yeah. then you saw at the beginning of the clip forget about the past chico scott saying forget about the past chico i, I think the bischoff may have gotten the cease and desist or something or they were trying to avoid uh 
claim from WWF that they were infringing on copyrights by having these guys out. And eventually it got to the point on a Nitro, I think, where they both had to say point blank, we aren't Razor Ramon, we do not work for the WWF. <laughs> but they yeah. still did that pretty good. Like, that didn't really kill the gimmick too much. No, not at all. If anything, it added to it. And so, and another thing that was going on here is that they're alluding to this third guy. And of course, anybody, everybody knows that it ends up being Hulk Hogan. But the line that everybody says, I think even to this day, was that at this point, they weren't sure if Hogan was going to go for it. And they were still thinking it could be Luger. There, maybe they could get Brett in. It was going to be Sting. Which, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me because... Because if it's guys that are coming in and taking over, Sting is so, like, I mean, Sting is WCW, you know? Exactly, yeah. Word has it that Hogan was offered it, and he said no, and then Sting was going to go with it. And then last minute, Hogan was like, no, brother, I want it. (laughs) Yeah. And he got his way, obviously, because but it makes more sense, though. It really does. Absolutely, it does. And, I mean, he's a smart man. He knew that this was the time. He knew that his shtick was not getting over in WCW. Not like Yeah, it was over. Not, like, over good, but over done. Done, yeah. Yeah, so, like, the culture had changed in North America where the say your prayers, take your vitamins, kind of good guys being white meat good guys, you know, the culture hated that. They liked cool guys, you know, they liked the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Yeah. The anti-hero. And so so Hogan's shtick as a babyface was just not gonna work anymore. And he saw these guys in Kevin Nash and Scott Hall as being cool. And you know, you could say whatever you want about Hulk Hogan. He was smart enough to know that if he aligned himself with these guys, it would give his career a second life. Not only second life, but arguably the best run of his career yeah and you know what i've been thinking that with my other job i've been trying with the uh radio show i've been uh trying to institute more uh wrestling stuff and i think i'm going to ask the audience there and why not get our audience to partake as well what is the ultimate hulk hogan hogan versus hogan hulk hogan versus hollywood hogan who do you pick in that very tough i mean immediately i i know i like Hollywood Hogan a lot more than Hulk Hogan, but Hulk Hogan made wrestling in the 80s. Thing is, I loved Hogan as a kid, Hulk Hogan. I mm-hmm. hate Hollywood Hulk Hogan as a teenager equally as much yeah. as I loved him kid. And yeah. then when he came back for the, the 2002 WWF run, that brought tears to my eyes. So me personally, I'm going to have to say original Hulk Hogan. Over nice. Hogan. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, the original Hulk Hogan run passed me by. I was never like I like I was never really that into it. But you know, you got to appreciate that he made wrestling. He made wrestling pop culture. You know, we've gone through this with WrestleMania and in our early episodes of just what kind of an impact and being on MTV and all that kind of shit like changed the game. And while Hollywood Hulk Hogan was immensely popular it was already like it's in relation to the fact that it was hulk hogan this 80s superstar going bad you can't get hollywood hulk hogan without having the run that hulk hogan had to play off right 100 so we go to the main event of the uh 
Bash at the Beach, 96. And WCW's three guys are Sting, Lex Luger, and Randy Savage. Randy Savage, I don't think, was ever in the conversation to be the leader of this, which would make sense as well. Yeah, no, he was never in the conversation. So Lex Luger, along with Hogan, Macho Man, like all these WWF guys, they're all jumping shit from the WWF to WCW. And here we go. We have the Macho Man, Lex Luger, and Sting. Sting and Luger are best friends going against Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, the Outsiders, as they are now known, and the Mystery Man, who is the third guy to join the Outsiders to try to take over the WCW. Right, so they start off the match handicapped two on uh, three, and we'll pick it up here about seven minutes into the match where uh, our boy Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, is going to town on the narcissist, all-American Lex Luger, who now has zero gimmick. He's wearing black shorts. There's nothing. <laughs> what is it, the package? What's his name? Total package. Total Lex package, <laughs> which he is most certainly not. I'd like to learn a little bit more about him, actually. His best sell job I've ever seen. So right now, Kevin Nash is holding Luger into an exposed turnbuckle. Sting does a stinger splash and squashes Luger's head into said turnbuckle. Luger falls to the outside. He is knocked out. He's passed out. Old cold junk. So now the referee and Sting are checking him on him. So basically, right now we have a two-on-two: is Kevin Nash and Scott Hall versus the Macho Man and Sting. Why are they all wearing face paint like Sting normally does? But why is Macho Man and Lex Luger wearing face paint? It's a mixture of just being, you know, teammates to Sting and, you know, just being part of that and also more paint. Okay. Amazing selling by uh, Luger here. Best. Amazing. Said. This, is, yeah. this is the best sell job of his career. He's just lying on the ground, not moving, not doing a thing, starfished out. This is by far the best work of his career. Get that piece of shit out of here. <laughs> now, how did I not know that Dusty Rhodes is on commentary for this match? So who yeah, do we got? Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes. Funny, Bobby the Brain Heenan spoils who the third man is as Hogan's coming down to their ring. <laughs> yeah, I know. What do you think about that? I think that it's a bad rap. Uh, and in the heat of the moment, I don't think it ruined anything. Uh, no, honestly, and that's how I try to think of it. I like to think, I try to think of, I'm watching this live, you yeah. know, and honestly, it wasn't that bad. Uh, Luger's being hauled away on a gurney on a stretcher, going to the back. All right, so they get him out, and it's uh, now it's two on two. It's actually fair for a little bit, and Sting is down. We'll pick it up. This is a great match, by the way. If anybody has time, you know, go back and watch this match in its entirety. It is fantastic. It's full of psychology, great wrestling, honestly, from Sting and Macho against the you know National Hall. All right, so you see the crowd now popping up. Hogan is here. <laughs> you can tell Shivani is like shit. <laughs> like, well, oh. but the fans—they all—they're buying into it. They think he's baby face. It, they love it. Everybody's cheering. Everybody's happy. Savage is on the bat. The big, no. the big leg drop oh, on his no, boy Macho. 
Oh, a second leg drop on Macho Man. Hogan, oh. what are you doing? The high five, Nash and Hall. Probably the lowest shot oh. ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. Let's get everybody out of the dressing room right now and kick his rear end. Unbelievable, brother. You just what have I been saying all these years? How what have I been saying all these years? I mean, you never see Hogan put his hands on a referee like that, tossing him out of the ring. Hogan did a three-leg drop on Macho, and Scott Hall did a three-count. He's doing his cha-cha-cha, the handshakes. So good, and now here comes the garbage. The garbage right, yeah. pouring into the ring from the fans. And they're mocking the fans with Hogan's uh, ear cover thing. All in Nash, yeah, they're doing Hogan's uh, the ear the ear thing that he used to do with his posing. Yeah, there the you ear go. coupling thing. Yeah. You got to stand up and look in the mirror. There you go. That's right. I never thought I'd see people throwing debris and Hulk at Hulk Hogan. I knew it should have been done a long time ago. I guess this was premeditated all the way back from '94. That's right, Chibani. This is what it was. Absolutely. Look at the ring. The most incredible scene. And Savage, his best friend, one of his best friends, Hogan turns on. Ladies, I, I, we're, I don't know where we're going. He has, he has slept with the what. devil. Call him for the microphone. And what? Oh, with Mean Gene. Yes. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's moments like this that bring tears to my eye. This is my childhood, man. Right in the, right in the fields right here. Excuse me. Excuse me. What in the world? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up. Now, the things that he's doing as a heel is also very antiquated. Like, Hogan doesn't know how to be cool in the 90s yet. So this stuff is like, what, telling people to shut up and stuff? That's 1980s villain stuff for sure. So good, though. Yeah, yeah. It works. It works. Put yourself in this group, you've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling. I made the people that ran that organization rich up there, brother. And when it all came to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then billionaire Ted, amigo, he wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> talk turkey. I use that. I use that phrase as much as possible. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And billionaire Ted promised me world caliber matches and as far as billionaire ted goes eric bischoff and the whole wcw goes i'm bored brother these two guys here the so-called outsiders these are the men i want as my friends 
They're the new blood of professional wrestling, brother. And not only are we gonna take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan and the new blood, the monsters with me. <laughs> I don't think he knows who they are. <laughs> In the meantime, he's getting littered with garbage. Drinks are being thrown at him. Like the ring is just filled with trash. As far as I'm concerned, all this crap. In the ring represents these fans out here. Great improv. For two years, I held my head high. I did <laughs> Drinks going all over them. Like old territories. What well, you'd hear about yeah. the old territories. I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother. <laughs> stick yes. it. There it is. Now, and I mean, there's an element of truth to that, obviously, is that the Hogan stuff was not working. People wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan. Eric Bischoff would be still selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, all these Johnny Come Lately's that you see out here, wrestling wouldn't be here. I was selling out the world, brother, while they were bumming gas to put in their car to get to high school. So the way it is now, brother, with Hulk Hogan and the new uh, world organization of wrestling, brother, me and the Scott new Hall with the side, uh, crotch chop. What you gonna do when the new world organization runs wild on you? What you gonna do? What are you hey, gonna do? Touch me, I'm gonna play the lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> is this not the greatest promo in the history of professional wrestling right here yeah for sure i mean top, yeah. top three it's got to be top three the atmosphere hulk doesn't know what scott hall is doing <laughs> he just tries to mimic him like it's so funny and in a and it's not even to take away from i mean hulk hogan has had a lot of classic promos in his time many of which we've covered here yeah, i think that You'd have to say that this is most important and his best. Got some good lines. He did fuck up order with the organization. That's forgivable. It actually seems more real that way, in my opinion. I think it's better. Yeah. And he got some good improv lines. Like, there's no way that he knew he was going to say that every piece of crap in that ring represents all the fans. So good. That is like the best part of the promo. Like, yeah. It's Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. awesome. And he's screaming the entire time. He's screaming so much that he's going up on his tippy toes. <laughs> right? For like 10 the minutes, man. So loud. Yeah, oh, it's so am- yeah, yeah, it's cool. amazing. He probably couldn't hear himself, but he's just screaming. I've always found that impressive about him and like and Randy Savage and even the Ultimate Warriors. Like, how do they keep that level of intensity up for that amount of time? A lot of cocaine. <laughs> hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Uh, so that concludes this storyline. Aaron, we have one more, one more episode before you go off to Taylor Swift. We will, I guess, do probably one uh, uh, one part or something that is a self-contained episode to be determined. Then the big question is, do we ever return back from the break? It's the first time that we will be taking a break on this podcast. Many a podcast have died after going on a one-week hiatus. So, Aaron, 
how do we how do we know for sure i just bought a bunch of gear buddy and i'm talking about equipment not cocaine i <laughs> how do we how do we ensure that we are going to be back indeed is it going to be a week how long are you gone for all right beautiful but nonetheless we will be back next week we still got one more episode what that will be about we will tell you uh, when it's released or maybe we'll announce it on our social medias that uh, everybody should be signing up for and yeah there you go yeah all right cool so until then uh, aaron i'm going to say once again thank you for this uh, appreciated another great episode for us take us home thank you friends have a great week everybody out there listening take care be safe 